भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षेजत्रिंगुष्टवागुंसनो व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओ शाति 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 ओम O gods may we hear auspicious words with the with our ears while engaged in sacrifices may we see auspicious things with the eyes while praising the gods with steady limbs may we enjoy a life that is beneficial to the gods may indra of ancient fame be auspicious to us may the all knowing pusha god of the earth be propitious to us may garuda the destroyer of evil be well disposed towards us may brihaspati ensure our welfare om peace 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 namaste everybody so we can start now in the mundaka upanishad we have uh, now reached the second mundaka so it's divided into three mundakas each with two sections um so we are now in the second mundaka of and the section 2 of the second mundaka this um, this section is sort of now we are in the middle of the mundaka upanishad and it's sort of highest teachings and the backbone of the upanishad they're coming up to that and some wonderful texts Um, wonderful mantras will come up and also a very unique way of presenting the spiritual practice the practice of uh, self inquiry and enlightenment will be presented as archery vedantic archery which we will see next time but this time the central teaching that you are brahman you are this ultimate reality of this universe that is going to be presented very powerfully so we are in the second mundaka uh, second section last time we completed the first section now the second section second section starts up with this mantra avisannihitam guhacharam nama mahatpadam matrei tatsamarpitam ejat pranan nimishaccha yadetat janatha sadasadvarenyam param vigyanad yadvarishtham prajanam what does it mean it is effulgent near at hand and well known as moving in the heart it is the great goal on it are fixed all that move breathe and wink or do not wink not exactly wink blink actually anyway know this one which com- comprises the gross and the subtle which is beyond the ordinary knowledge of creatures and which is the most desirable and highest of all so what is being said here actually a lot which has been put the all of the teachings of vedanta are packed into this the highest teachings let us say avihi the first word most profound i think that's where we should start it means luminous it means prakashakam so i'll dwell a little bit on this before we move into the rest of the mantra the heart of our of our life basically our life is a series of experiences and all of these experiences are made possible by consciousness let us just dwell on this consciousness which makes all our life possible all the experiences of our life possible this luminosity this awareness this consciousness this is called avihi uh, prakashakam um whatever we experience whether we are seeing things just like we are doing right now we are seeing are we here less like we are doing right now we are hearing are we smell or taste or touch uh, numerous the entire range of our sensory experiences 
or our uh, the things that we do we speak we walk uh, we grasp with our hands we all kinds of things that we do with our motor organs all of that it is pervaded by one consciousness or awareness the experience of seeing the experience of hearing smelling tasting touching all of that is illumined by this one consciousness and this is not remember this is a description of how things are right now it's not some kind of speculation the upanishad is asking us to appreciate exactly how our life is right now uh, our very experience of life whatever we experience with eyes open looking out focused into the world outside with eyes closed introspecting or meditating inside all of it is in one awareness so this awareness it is compared with light prakashakam luminosity just like if you switch on the light in a room everything all the variety of things in the in the room are illumined but it's all because of one source that one light similarly whatever we call life itself our external life where we external means our uh, contact with the world where we see hear smell taste touch or our internal life where we think and remember and desire and love and hate enjoy and suffer uh, all of that internal external all of it is illumined by one one light um, so this light is the first thing about this light that it makes possible conscious experience it makes possible all the experiences of our life notice another thing our experiences are varied so uh, in seeing itself how many things we see how many colors how many people how many shapes and then there is hearing and smelling and tasting and touching all enormous variety of experiences in our sensory experience in our internal mental experience emotional experience enormous variety of experiences but these experiences are many because the objects of experience now when we look at an experience uh, each experience whatever experience we have just the experience of looking at your device and seeing the right now the class which you are seeing this very experience there are two sides to it one is what is being experienced and the other one is that which is experiencing you can broadly call it the subject and object of any experience now experiences here's the point experiences are different we have a wide range of different experiences because we have many many objects of experience the things that we experience are many uh, therefore experiences are many but that which experiences the subject is the same this is something we must appreciate right now it's a subtle point but it's worth noticing that um, the same one which was looking at maybe a blank screen earlier is the same one looking at the screen with the class now is the same one which will be doing something after an hour later but what you are experiencing keeps changing apart from the objects of experience distinct from the varied objects of experience is one experiencing consciousness see i'm making two points here consciousness is that which illumines all our life i'm using the light example but the light example is also very interesting that it is the same light which illumines various objects if you take the example itself in the room there are many things in the room tables and chairs and gadgets and books um, and this body it's all there all of these varied things are illumined by one light similarly all the varied experiences in your life are due to many many objects of experience but all those objects of experience are illumined by one consciousness distinct from the many objects so we have seen two two kinds of i would say aspects are two kinds of ways of of appreciating consciousness one is it illumines that's one that's what makes our conscious experience possible our life possible the second point i mentioned was it is one it is one objects are many experiences are many but consciousness is one uh, distinct from those changing objects and changing experiences illumining all of them 
Just like one light in a room, it is one consciousness. Another thing, a light. All of these are very closely allied, but I am sort of teasing apart various features of, of uh, various aspects of our conscious experience. And I'm not looking at the objects of our conscious experience. I'm looking at consciousness itself as far as possible. Another thing, it is not only one, it is unchanging. So the objects, our experiences are many and changing. The objects of experiences are many and changing, but consciousness itself is not changing. This is not appreciated also. We generally have a feeling, oh, the world changes. I have no doubt about it. But I am also changing, isn't it? I have changed from my babyhood to childhood to youth, middle age. But if you look carefully, what has changed? When I say I have changed, I have had an uh, evolving experience of myself. But that's a change in my body. That's a change in my thoughts, change in my knowledge, in my um, you know maturity. All of these are changing. But the consciousness in itself, has it changed? This is the claim. It's worth thinking about it and appreciating it itself. That consciousness by itself has not changed. Objects of experiences come and go. People come and go in our lives. Things and gadgets come and go. Places come and go in our lives. The seasons keep changing from summer to fall to winter to spring again. The years keep rolling by. So changes of things are coming and going. Seasons are coming and going. Places are coming and going. Are you the consciousness coming and going? Our days and nights are coming and going. Waking, dreaming and sleep are coming and going. But you, the consciousness, are not coming and going. Consciousness does not come and go. The objects to which, conscious, uh, which consciousness, consciousness illumines, they come and go. They change, they come and go. So consciousness is luminous. It, uh, it shines. It uh, illumines everything in our lives. Consciousness is um, one. It is the same. And unchanging also. See, these are very related but various subtle aspects of consciousness. Another thing about consciousness. It is the subtlest of all things. Often called susukshmam. Sukshmam is subtle. Susukshmam, subtlest of all things. What do I mean by subtlest of all things? So here is a physical universe. If you analyze this physical universe, it's comprised of forms and sounds and smells and tastes and touch. This is what we mean by physicality, actually. And this physical universe appears to us in the senses, in our sensory experience. Subtler than the physical universe is our inner experience, our personal private experience of our thoughts and memories and feelings. Why do I say subtler? Remember, the physical experience to a great extent is shared. We all share the same physical world. But our private subtle world is unique to each of us. So physical world, gross, physical, sensory. And subtle world is interior, subtle, private, first person, mental, not sensory. Thoughts and feelings, you cannot see them or hear them or smell them or touch them. But they are all experienced by each of us internally. So a subtle world is there. Even more subtle than that, there's something called the causal world. Causal world is that when the subtle world becomes like a seed in deep sleep. That we generally don't think about, but just keep it as a category. Even more subtle than the subtle world, even more subtle than our inner first person experience is a causal state like our deep sleep. And even more subtle than the causal state is consciousness. Another aspect of consciousness, it's the most subtle of things and related to that is the aspect of consciousness that it's not an object. Everything is an object to consciousness. Consciousness is so subtle because it's not an object. It's not like the physical world is gross, somehow heavy and gross. And then the subtle world, mental world is more subtle than that. And then the causal world is more subtle than that. And more subtle than that is consciousness. But in a uniquely different sense, the causal world the, the subtle internal world and the physical world, uh, karana, sukshma, sthula, they are all objects. Consciousness is not an object. So these are 
things which we all experience, it is within our range of our experience, not fully understood or appreciated by neuroscience, modern cognitive science or psychology or um, or philosophy of mind so far. This, there's a confusion regarding this. There's a tendency to treat everything as an object, even consciousness as an object. That way you will never find consciousness as we are talking about it in, in the Upanishads. Consciousness is not an object. Everything else is an object to consciousness. But consciousness itself is not an object. That's why it's so subtle. Another thing. Consciousness is not attached and not affected by the objects. So the things which... So again, light example is very nice. Consciousness, uh, if you think about consciousness, like the light illumining this room. The light shines on everything and illumines everything. But it is not attached to anything. You can bring, when things come into the room, it will be illumined by light. When things go out of the room, they will not be illumined anymore. The light does not come in with the things and light does not go out with the things. It does not stick. Light is not sticky. So like that, consciousness is not sticky. It is asanga, non-stick. Like non-stick cooking ware is there. So <laughs> consciousness is non-stick. It's Teflon coated, so to say. Nothing sticks to consciousness. So, related to this is, consciousness cannot be affected by anything. This is a very big point. If consciousness, the classical example is, if consciousness shines on Ganges water, the holy water of the Ganga, consciousness is not purified that, by that. The conscious, let's take the light example. If light shines on the Ganga water, sunlight falls on the Ganga water, it's not purified by the Ganga water. Uh, if sunlight falls on the drain water, um, so sunlight is not made impure by the drain water. If I plunge my hand into the drain water, my hands will become dirty. If I take a dip in the Ganga, then I'll become purified. The body is affected by the Ganga water and the drain water. But, but light shining on it will not be affected. Similarly, consciousness illumining all sorts of objects is not affected by those objects. Does not stick to those objects, is not affected by those objects. So consciousness... Um, shining on, uh, revealing, say, a dirty place. Consciousness does not become dirty. Consciousness revealing a holy place or pure place. Consciousness does not become thereby holy or pure. Consciousness shining on a bad thought does not become bad. See, a mind becomes polluted by bad thoughts. A mind becomes purified by sublime and holy thoughts. But consciousness does not become purified by sublime thoughts, nor does it become bad by bad thoughts. So it is not only asanga, consciousness is what is called shuddha, is pure, is always pure by its nature. Nothing can affect it. Nothing sticks to it and therefore nothing can affect it. These are the various aspects of consciousness, of, of this luminosity which we are. Another thing, consciousness is like space, in the sense that Space doesn't resist anything. In fact, it gives room for everything. Consciousness is always open and non-resisting. By that, what I mean is, whatever experiences come, whatever objects come into consciousness, um, whatever object, let us say, arise in consciousness, it could be good, uh, sublime, elevating, consciousness illumines that and reveals it. It could be tragic, shocking, painful, consciousness shines on that and illumines it. It does not resist, push out or reject anything. Everything is illumined by consciousness. Everything is given space by consciousness. It is continuously open to everything. It's not afraid of anything at all. Everything is given space by consciousness and luminosity, uh, illumination by consciousness. In Sanskrit, this is called satta sphurti. Satta means existence. Sphurti means uh, shining forth. So this is what is meant by avihi, the light. We are the light. Upanishad, this Mundaka Upanishad, Earlier, Katopanishad we have seen, it, it says, You are the light of the world. Tameva bhantam manubhati sarvam, tasya bhasa sarvam idam vibhati. You, you shining, everything else shines after you. Everything else means, you the consciousness shining, then the mind is illumined by consciousness. The mind shining, the senses are lit up. With the mind and senses lit up, one now can experience this world. One external world and also internal world of our minds and thoughts, of our thoughts and emotions. 
Anubhati Sarvam. You shining, everything else, mind, senses, world shines after you. Tasya Bhasa Sarvam Idam Vibhati. By your light, by the light of that consciousness, everything here is lit up. By your light, everything here is lit up. So this is the meaning of Avehi. And what we should do is, consider this, this is already there. All the time there. This not coming and not going also means consciousness is immortal. It is only in, in consciousness that we see the birth of the body, the aging of the body and eventual death of the body. Consciousness is not born with the birth of the body, does not die with the death of the body. It requires some thought to think this through. This is a big claim. But it, this is consciousness is immortal. It's unchanging, therefore immortal. Um, all right. So this is called avihi. Now what happens is when we when we meditate, when we consider, appreciate consciousness already available all the time, like this, we have to change our idea of who we are. Right now, our feeling is, I am this person. I am Sarva Priyananda. Here, I'm pointing to this body, this person, personality. As we contemplate consciousness like this, notice, I am consciousness. I am Chaitanyam, consciousness. There are many words for this. Chaitanyam, Chit. And now one ancient word we saw, Avihi. This light. Uh, I am that light. This shift is a must. Without this shift, you cannot appreciate Vedanta. You will still see, after we appreciate this thing about consciousness, we can still end up saying, oh, I see, there's this nice thing called consciousness. Not nice thing. Everything is a thing to consciousness. The consciousness is not a thing. What is it? It's you. It is I. So shift the meaning of the I. Ego is not I. I am the witness of the ego also. Even ego is lit up by consciousness. So I am the witness of the ego. I am. So the I does not mean ego. I does not mean mind. I does not mean body. It does not mean the person. I means light, consciousness. This shift must take place. And this, up to this, up to this is the first step in Advaita Vedanta. First step. You might think, oh God, how many steps are there? Only one more. The second step is to see this consciousness, which I am, this is called witness consciousness, Sakshi. This witness consciousness is Brahman, is the ground of this entire universe. That's the second step and more difficult. This first step, what I've said till now, is not so difficult. At least to understand, it's not so difficult. We get the feeling for what is being pointed out here. To make the solid shift, I am that consciousness, that is a little more difficult. But the next step, the second step is more difficult. That this consciousness is the ground of the entire universe. It is this consciousness, which is the karanam, which the cause, material cause, in which appears this entire universe. This universe of experience which appears in this consciousness, this consciousness itself uh, appears as the entire universe. This consciousness itself is Brahman. It is Akshara. It is, uh, it is Brahma. Therefore, I can honestly say, I am not only consciousness, I am Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. This is what the student asked the Rishi for in the beginning. What is that, sir, by knowing which everything can be known? This is the connection. If you say, I am pure consciousness, good. But I did not ask you that question. My question at the beginning of the Upanishad was, tell me that by knowing which I can know everything. Here is the second step. This consciousness, once you have understood what that consciousness is, this consciousness itself is that by knowing which everything can be known. How? How, how can um, knowing me myself as consciousness is knowing everything? Because this consciousness alone, with the network of names and forms called Maya, appears as this universe. It is the uh, material cause of this universe. It is the upadana of this entire universe. That is the second big step. Two steps. One is, I am not the body, not the mind. I am witness consciousness. And sit quietly and think about the witness consciousness. What is this witness consciousness? It is that for which, by which every experience in my life is lit up. Without that, no experience in life. Nothing. My life doesn't exist without it. That's one. Second, it is one and distinct from all the experiences and all the objects experienced, all the people experienced, distinct from this body, 
and from all my thoughts and feelings and emotions, ideas. It's distinct. This is the second thing. It is one and distinct from everything else. Third, that it is, it does not come and go. Or third is, let's take it this way. It is very subtle. It's subtler than the physical objects. It's subtler than the mental objects. It's subtler than the causal uh, state. It is the, because it is the subject. It's not an object. That's an important thing to note. It's not a thing to be seen. It's that to which everything appears. Then again, note, it does not come and go. It's always there. Note, nothing sticks to it. No person will stick to you, the consciousness. No experience will stick to you, the consciousness. No thought, no emotion, no pain. No matter how chronic, it will not stick to you, the consciousness. No um, negativity, also no positivity. Nothing will stick to you, the consciousness. It's totally non-stick. And this is Asanga. People say detachment is very difficult for us. We are not monks. You are naturally monks. All of us are the most detached monks of the in, in the entire universe, whichever were. Completely. In the Himalayas, they say, Virakat Mahatma. Virakt. Virakt means, in Bengali, the word Virakt means irritated. But, Virakta. Uh, but in, uh, uh, in, uh, in, in the tradition of the Uttarakhand in the Himalayas, Virakta means, Virakta Mahatma means a monk who has got great dispassion, not attached to any anything. And sometimes Punjabis, so they don't say Yuktaksha, instead of saying Virakt, they will say Virakat. <laughs> so, you are the great, most Virakat Mahatma of all time. Naturally, you can't, it's choiceless for you. You cannot make anything stick to you. Nothing will. You try your best to hold on to something, someone, some experience. Some state of body or mind, you'll be disappointed. It will all flow away from you. Then, also that we noticed, consciousness is pure, shuddham. Nothing affects, nothing sticks to consciousness, nothing affects consciousness also. The nature of consciousness is pure luminosity, always remains. Nothing can sully you, nothing can dirty you or stain you. And nothing can uh, pervert you or damage you. You're completely unaffected by this universe. So the, appreciate this, then realize that this witness consciousness is the ground of the entire universe. It is this consciousness alone which appears as all its objects. And therefore, if you want to know what is the one thing by knowing which I can know all the objects of the universe, it is you, the consciousness. So this is the background. All of it, what I am going on and on and on, it says this one sentence in the Upanishad. Let, let us take a look now. Avihi, this light. Notice this light within yourself. Always available, already available. It's, Vivekananda called it the open secret. It's always blazing forth all the time. We just don't notice it. Where is it? Sannihitam. Next word. These are all important words. It is the closest of all things to you. It is the open secret. It is constantly available to you. It is available to you in open eyes and with closed eyes. It is available to you in waking, in dream and in deep sleep. It is available to you in the most active life and in the deepest meditation. It is available to you at home, in the office, in the meditation center, the retreat center also. Every time, all the time, ceaselessly it is available to you, very close. Sannihitam. The Upanishad says it is farther than the farthest and nearer than the nearest. Further than the Shankaracharya comments there. Further than the farthest for whom? For the ignorant. The ignorant one who does not understand what is being talked about will say, what's going on here? So abstract, so difficult. There's nothing abstract and difficult about it. It's the most obvious thing, closest thing to us. And for the one who understands, Upanishad says it is nearer than the nearest. What is the nearest to us? Our own bodies, even nearer than that, my own thoughts, my own existence. That which reveals this existence, thoughts, bodies, that is consciousness. It's literally you. What can be closer than that? Sannihitam. Guhacharam nama. Can you locate it precisely? Yes, it is located precisely in your own minds. Guha means cave. Cave. 
So the mind is compared to a cave. Actually, here Guha is mind, manomaya, vijnanamaya, kosha. So our thoughts, our emotions, our memories. Now in a cave, you need a light to see the contents of the cave. What's there in the cave? Um, there might be tigers or lions or they don't live in caves. Um, bears live in caves. I remember in the Himalayas, I made friends with this monk who lived in a hole in the ground above Gangotri. So I said, there's a very nice cave. Why don't you go and stay there? And he said, no, there's a bear in that cave. He's a kind of a bully. So <laughs> he won't allow the monk to stay in the cave. Now, what's inside the cave? Um, you need a light. Now, compare that to the cave of the heart. Guha Charam, the, the mind is called the cave of the heart. The cave of the heart, you need a light. What is the light? You, the consciousness. You illumine every thought that comes up in the mind. Every emotion that bubbles up in the mind. Every memory, every impulse. Everything that boils up in the mind is illumined by you. You are the light. Guhacharam, that which, which illumines the, the deep recesses of our cave. The cave, uh, our cave of the mind. Cave of the, literally it's cave of the heart actually. Cave of the heart is illumined by you, the consciousness. And uh, Shankaracharya here comments, in every instance of seeing, hearing, Thinking, feeling, remembering. These are all movements in the cave of the mind. And they are all shining in the light of you, the consciousness. That's how it is available. Guha charam, that which moves or shines in the cave of the heart. All of this, avihi, light, sannihitam, closer than the closest, always available. Guha charam dhamma, that which shines in the cave of the heart. That means in your mind, illumines your mind. All of us, take a look. Right now we feel aware. Where do we feel aware? Well, this body. But this body is also revealed to you in the mind. It is in the mind that consciousness is manifest. So that is called Guhacharam Nama. Moving in the cave, illuminating the cave of the heart. Up to this is witness consciousness. I, the consciousness. Now he will make that second step, the big jump. This I, the consciousness is the ground of the universe. It's not like we are one little glimmering light in a vast, unfeeling material universe. That's Sankhya. Advaita Vedanta says this so-called vast universe, even the space, even the time, and all the objects in this space-time, they're all appearing to you the light, in you the light, and it is nothing but you the light. I'll repeat. The universe appears to you the light that you, nobody can deny. When, what does the object appear to? Appears to the subject. And we have just discovered the subject is this light, consciousness. But it appears in you. Think about this. Why do you say in you? Isn't it outside me? Where is the boundary, phenomenologically? Where is the boundary between you, the awareness, and the object? Is it, notice this. Is it that you, the awareness, you come and stop here and outside you is the object? Is there a boundary? Up to this is awareness and outside my awareness is the object. No. Notice your experience. Every ob object is in your awareness. So, Swami, what about the objects outside your room? Is it in your awareness? Yes, it's in my awareness as the vast unknown. As uh, that, that um, vidita avidita in the language of the Kena Upanishad. Anya devatad viditad atho aviditad adhi. It is other than the known, other than the unknown. The known and the unknown both are appearing in consciousness. Here is the known. What I see, hear, smell, taste, touch. And then there is the unknown beyond this. Both are appearing to you in consciousness. So the whole universe is in your consciousness as the known and the unknown. And then further, if it is in you the consciousness, immersed in you the consciousness, what's it made of? It can't be anything else other than you, the consciousness. Here is the great um, doctrine of adhyasa or superimposition. One thing appearing as another thing. <laughs> it is you, the consciousness, appearing to yourself as the object of consciousness and thereby having experience. I'll repeat that. It's one of the most profound things ever said. I didn't say it. Shankaracharya said it. The object and consciousness 
cannot actually come into contact if they are entirely different in nature. If they are seen to be coming in contact, then they must be one thing only. So, uh, what is that one thing? It is consciousness only appearing as its own object. Therefore, this is the answer to that original question. What is that thing by knowing which I know everything? What is everything? Object. What is that one thing by which you know every object? What is every object made of? Just like all golden ornaments are made of gold. All waves are made of water. All clay pots are made of clay. All objects in this universe which appear in consciousness are made of nothing but consciousness. Or, this, to put it more technically, more precisely, they're all appearances in you, the consciousness. Here, the dream example is very nice. When we wake up from the dream, we realize two things. I was the only knower in that dream. All the people I saw, all the places I went to, all the human beings, plants and animals, there was actually only one there. I. Isn't it true? And not only that, I was the light of that dream world. I illumined everything in that dream world. Also, I was the reality of the dream world. The dream world existed because I saw it. To the extent that it existed, it existed because I was dreaming it. The moment I stopped dreaming, it disappears. So I am the material of the dream world. I am that, the ground of the dream world, the substratum of the dream world. Here it is called Mahatpadam. The vast, the infinite reality, the infinite Padam here is ground of the universe. The limitless ground of the universe. What do you mean limitless? Limitless because nothing in this universe constitutes as other to you. What is a limit? So suppose you have two books. This book is limited by the other book. This book comes to an end here and this book starts. Two things. Or this book is in my hand. Uh, my hand stops here and then the book starts. The book limits my hand. Two things, they're separate from each other. They limit each other. This is this and not that. A is A and not B. So A limits B. But imagine the water in the ocean. All the waves are not a limit to water. Is it true that water ends and then the wave starts? That's ridiculous. Every bit of the wave is made of water. So waves are not a limit to water because they are made of the same water. Similarly, nothing in the universe is a limit to consciousness because they are nothing but consciousness. They are made, quote-unquote made, actually not made. They are appearances in consciousness. That is why Mahat consciousness is the vast. This is what is meant by the that famous mantra which Vivekananda was most fond of uh, quoting here in the West to you know summarize what Vedanta wants to say. Srinvantu Vishwe Amritasya Putraha Listen ye children of immortal bliss. Aye dhamani divyani tastu Even the gods who live in heaven, you also listen. Vedaham purusham mahantam Same word, mahantam. Mahat. I have realized that vast being. That vast being, mahantam. What is that like? Aditya Varnam, blazing forth like the, like the sun. Same word, light. It's of the nature of consciousness. Tamasah Parastat, forever beyond darkness, beyond death, beyond sorrow, beyond anxiety and insecurity. Then, alright, so what's the use of realizing such a thing? Tameva Viditva Ati Mrityumeti, realizing that you go beyond death. You go beyond sorrow. You go beyond insecurity and anxiety and, and uh, lack of fulfillment. You are forever fulfilled, forever secure, and immortal forever. Any other way? Any other way? Technological way, medical way, something? There is no other path. Every um, uh, you know, ritualistic path, going to heaven, which was discussed in the Karmakanda, ritualistic portion of the Vedas, all are temporary. Every scientific, technological thing, they will only give temporary results. This is the only path to attain complete fulfillment. That Mahantam is being talked about here. Mahatpadam, the limitless ground of this universe. Also, Atraitat Samarpitam, 
all things in the universe are grounded here. Every living and non-living being is grounded in Brahman, in you. Shankaracharya in his commentary says, as all the spokes of a wheel are connected to the, the nave, uh, the, the central um, part of the wheel. So like that, every living and non-living being is set in existence itself, in consciousness itself, which you are. Atraitat samarpitam. All the universe is fixed in you. And then he gives rather cute example of how things are, what, what things are fixed in you. All living beings, let us say. And it says, Ejat, Pranan, Nimishatya. All those things which move. Birds and animals and all those living beings which move around the world. Pranan, everything that breathes in and breathes out. All things that breathe in and breathe out, they are set in you in Brahman. Nimishat, everything that, this, nimish, this is Nimesha, Nimesha Unmesha, this is blink, blink. It's translated as winking, but it's so nice that even the tiniest movements, you're blinking your eyes. The things, all those beings who blink their eyes, who breathe in and breathe out, who walk around or fly around or crawl around on the surface of this planet, all beings are actually set in you. All life is set in you. It's a very poetic way. Nimishatya, the commentator says, all beings that blink and those who do not blink also. Yadetat <laughs> janatha. This should be realized. Why? Because this is what you asked. Oh, disciple, this is what you asked. Tell me that by knowing which I, I can know everything. Kasminu bhagavo vigyate sarvamidam vigyatam bhavatiti. You remember in the very beginning of the Upanishad, the student Shaunaka asks the Rishi, Sir, what is that by knowing which, that one thing by knowing which I can know everything? This is it. This is the meaning of know thyself. What is that know thyself? This one. And then sadasadvarenyam, sadasad. It is the um, subtle and it is the um, gross. It is the um, the state before the creation of the universe, formless, and it's the state after the creation of the universe, with form. The, the Literally, the thoughts in the mind of God, which are now projected as this physical universe. Sadhasad here does not mean, if you literally translate, it will be real and unreal. It means form and formless. With form, so that is the comment commentary. In another language, in another Upanishad, is called murta murta. Murta means with form, Amurta means formless. Basically, the physical universe and the subtle universe. Both are nothing but Brahman. See, what is he doing here? First of all, you isolated. Not body, not mind. Everything is separated. Neti, neti. And you are the witness consciousness. You are no object at all. You are the pure subject. Now, every object is you. Now, he's putting, you are Brahman. So, the, every object is nothing but you. Every thought is you. Every emotion is you. Every experience is you. Every um, living body and down to the non-living rock and, and uh, flowing water and sky is you. Sadasad. Varenyam. It is most adorable. It is most worshipable. Who, who is? What is? You are. Why? Because your real nature is what you have been seeking all your life. The, and the commentator says, Varenyam, two things he has said. Varinyam means varaniyam tadeva hi sarvasya nityatvat prarthaniyam because it is the eternal reality beyond death. There's a Bengali song to the Divine Mother. Uh, that mother, that I have, whatever I've sought in life has disappeared, has given me only sorrow and disappeared. Now give me something, that is for forever, something that will give me peace forever. This is that which will give you peace forever, your own real nature. Varenyam. Param vijnana yad varishtam prajana. What does this mean? This is this knowledge which is beyond the knowledge of ordinary beings. This knowledge, the knowledge of this reality is beyond the knowledge of ordinary beings. What's he saying here? He's going back to what was discussed at the very beginning of the Upanishad when the student said, please sir, teach me that by knowing which I shall know everything. And then the, the teacher said, there are two kinds of knowledge. Paracha, paracha, paravidya, paravidya. 
the supreme knowledge, the relative knowledge, the transcendent knowledge, and the knowledge of this world. And here he is saying the knowledge of this reality is that supreme knowledge. And it is beyond all kinds of aparavidya. The secular knowledge or also the religious knowledge, all of these are aparavidya, the lower, lower uh, vidya, the lower knowledge. Knowledge of the world, of science, of art, knowledge of even ritualistic religion, the karmakanda of the Vedas, all of them are lower. And the spiritual knowledge is the highest, the knowledge of the self, knowledge of Brahman, Brahmavidya or Atmavidya, the knowledge of Brahman or the knowledge of the self is the highest. This is what is being said here. Let me see what Shankaracharya has said. Avi Prakasham. So the first word itself, Avihi, is light, Shankaracharya says. Sannihitam, very close. Vagadi Upadhivi Jwalati Brajati. That which is shining through all our conscious experiences of speaking, hearing, thinking, all activities. And it is very close to us. Closer than our bodies and minds. Darshana, Shravana, Manana, Vigyanadi, Upadhi, Dharmair, Avir Bhutam, Salakshyate. So, it is in our hearts. In the cave of the heart. He says, in whatever is going on inside us, seeing, hearing, thinking, understanding, it is shining as consciousness in all of them. It's manifesting all these activities. And then he says, Janata, realize this. Shishya, he shishya, avagachata. Oh, student, oh, dear disciple, realize this for yourself. Realize means what? He says, tad atma bhutam bhavatam sadasat swarupam. So it is, it's your very nature. It's you, really. You have to realize this as I am this Brahman. The same thing now in the next mantra, another beautiful mantra, but the same thing is reiterated in another way. We'll just read that and I'll stop. I will not explain the second mantra too much because it's basically, you will see it's a uh, re-emphasis of what was just said. What was just said is, is soaring. It's just, I am Brahman and what is this Brahman? It's sort of answer to all those questions and the highest teaching in one capsule. Second mantra. Yadachimad yad anubhyo anucha Yasmin loka nihita loki nascha tadeta daksharam brahma sapranas taduvang manaha tadeta satyam tadamritam tadvedhavyam somya vidhi. What does it mean? Yadachimad, he says, that which is shining and bright. Exactly the same, luminosity, consciousness, that which is shining and bright. Anubhyanucha. Subtler than the subtlest. I've already explained. The world is physical or gross. Then we have a subtle universe in our mind, our mind's thoughts and the first person. Subtler than that is a causal. And subtler than that also is you, the consciousness. And then, beautiful experience, uh, ex um, beautiful phrase. Yasmin loka nihita loki nascha. That in which the worlds are fixed. The universe is fixed. The worlds are fixed in that. And all those who dwell in these worlds are also fixed in that. That you are. That Brahman you are. Is this immutable Brahman? Tadeta Daksharam Brahma. Now he's using that old word which he had used in the very beginning. Paravidya, Paravidya. If you remember, relative knowledge, higher knowledge. By the relative knowledge, what is known? Everything. Everything that you know in the world. And then by the higher knowledge, what is known? Parayayata Daksharam Adhigamyate. Paravidya, the higher knowledge, is that by which the akshara is realized. He says, this is that akshara, that highest being, the highest reality. Then, not only that, it is also prana, our pranamaya kosha, the prana of this entire universe. It is also mind, it is also senses, prana, tadu, vangmana. It is speech, it is mind, it is prana, the vital forces of this body, the mind, the speech. That separation is Sankhya. Not body, not mind, witness consciousness. Then the reintegration, the synthesis is Advaita. And it's not really synthesis. I'm using these words loosely. But specifically it is that consciousness itself which appears as body, mind, senses and all that. Not that there is consciousness integrated with a separate body, mind. 
then tadetat satyam it is the reality meaning thereby it, this is the paramartha satyam the ultimate reality everything else whatever we experience in this universe this objective universe is an appearance is like a magic show is like a superimposition on this uh, paramartha satyam the tadetat satyam then he uses interesting words which will only become clear in the next class tadvedhavyam it literally means shoot it penetrate it so somya oh amiable one or literally it means wholesome one good person um, it is to be penetrated somya vidhi penetrate it shoot at it and then uh, shankaracharya there comments that pay attention to you turn your attention towards it what do you how will you realize this turn your attention to it it is available it is here and now it has to be understood for what it is and then you have to attend to it pay some attention to it then only it will work for you that paying attention to it how you will do a process of meditation will be taught that will start next a very beautiful uh, and extraordinary archery there will be a bow and the arrow and you are the archer and the target is brahman a very beautiful uh, metaphor will be used i won't go into that the whole process will be explained next but these two are they say the same thing first mantra second mantra wonderful high soaring sublime teachings good i will stop here and give some time for the q and a sonali is saying why is it said consciousness is moving in the heart it is appearance is maybe moving and non moving but it is beyond both so curious why is said to be moving you are right the appearances means heart means in the mind in the mind what is there it is the vrittis just like in this room many objects are there they are all lit up by that light so that is imagine just like that as a metaphor the mind or the cave of the mind is like a place and is lit up by consciousness and truly what is moving and unmoving are the objects in that mind so what is the objects in the mind vrittis various kinds of vrittis they are arising and disappearing so moving consciousness is not moving you're right but it's a poetic way of expressing it that which you know stays uh, which shines which resides in which stalks about and strides about in the cave of the heart who is that hero it's consciousness peter says the physical body travels from nyc to california but consciousness did not move it just is correct yes space time keep changing from here to there from now to then and from this thing to that thing space time and object continuously change but all this change is appearing in one consciousness which does not change one sadhu put it very nicely in hindi yahan aur wahan ab aur tab yah aur wah jis ek prakash mein bhas rahi hai wahi brahma hai that here and there new york and california now and then say morning and night and then this thing and that thing i am this this body and then there is this another thing and the place where i am staying or the plane i am flying you know through to california this and that all of these are appearing changing playing around and disappearing in that one ocean like waves in an ocean that ocean is consciousness and you are that again not poetry the amazing thing about vedanta is it claims to be just literally describing what's happening right now or what the reality is right now and if we just know this and attain to it you know shoot the arrow uh, so the bow will be this upanishad vedanta is the bow and then what is the arrow what is the target target is brahman pure consciousness existence consciousness place then what's the arrow you are the arrow <laughs> you have to shoot yourself to brahman and become one with brahman that's the, just the uh, just the metaphor being used but very nice brilliant actually yes you when you think in this way and attend to it you may have some disconcerting experiences you may get the experience for example a sudden feeling of the world is whirling around you you are actually not changing 
places are changing your body is moving along but you are the one like the screen of the movie on which all these activities are taking place you are not changing past is turning into present is turning into future you are in a sort of you are unchanging or you can say you are always the eternal present shining always always in one there's no past present you are not moving from past to present to future rather past present and future are moving in front of you like a movie David says, consciousness is who we are, so can be known directly, not as an object of perception by itself. Yes, self knows itself. What is described is not just theoretical. Absolutely not. It sounds theoretical when we first hear it. It sounds very abstract. But it's not abstract. Once we begin to get a feel for it, the universe is abstract compared to it. This is, uh, as one sadhu said, thasathas bharpur. This is packed. Our experience, this universe is packed with consciousness packed with existence. There is no gap for anything. Where will the universe exist? There's no gap. Where will you put the universe? Just consciousness or just being. And you are that. Sri Dhamma says, the unchanging nature of consciousness, what about the ego? Is it changing or unchanging? It is changing. In waking, in dreaming, and deep sleep, it's manifest in waking, it's manifest in dream, and in unmanifest in deep sleep. So it keeps changing and it's associated with changing factors. So the mind and the thoughts and the memories and reactions and the body and the world it's associated with keeps changing dramatically. And the ego itself disappears in deep sleep, in samadhi, it disappears. Consciousness does not come, does not go, does not disappear. Not only that, the ego is constantly affected by the world. Because the ego is a function of the mind. The mind is connected to the world and through the body. So the world will affect the body, the world will affect the mind, and the ego is bound to feel affected. It's bound to feel, um, you know, uh, irritated, annoyed, upset, exhilarated, delighted, um, despair. All of those things come from the mind. If the mind is saturated in Vedantic realization, then the ego will feel peace. But you notice you, the consciousness, you are always at peace. This is, has to be noticed. When you notice that ego also will feel relaxed a little bit. The ego is a function of the mind. I'm wondering if the ego perhaps is the one that keeps integrated identity of individual through changes to body and mind. Correct. What it does is uh, it, it appropriates to itself all the activities going on in the body-mind. And says, I am thinking, I am talking, I am walking, I am listening, I am waking, I dream. And then I sleep, of course, you can, because it, I itself goes to sleep. So it is the integrative function of the active body-mind. But when the mind goes to sleep, the ego also disappears. It, and it's a necessary function. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a sense of identity in this individual. The individual identity depends on the ego. Yes, Avi in Tamil means spirit. I've heard that. It might be related to this uh, this ancient Sanskrit use of luminosity. Amira says, is the definition characteristic of consciousness the same as Dvaita and Dvaita philosophy? Only to some extent. The big difference between the definition of consciousness in Dvaita and Advaita is Advaita would consider consciousness itself to be the ultimate reality and the ground of the universe. Whereas in Dvaita, the, the farthest you can go is you're the witness consciousness in this body and mind. Every body and mind, there will be a separate witness consciousness. And there is a Paramatma, a God of the universe, who is the ground of this entire, creator of the entire universe. So the difference between God, universe, and you, the consciousness, is maintained in dualistic philosophy. In Advaita philosophy, the consciousness, you, the consciousness, these three, individual God and universe, appear in you, the consciousness. You're the ground of these three. Sonali said, good analogy of inherent purity of consciousness, Ganga water, gutter water, both made of hydrogen oxygen atoms. It can never become impure. Correct. That's one way of looking at it. Amira says, how will realizing I am pure consciousness practically help us to better our lives and relationships with other people or situations? Absolutely. It will help. It will really, really help. This is a deep solution to our problems. See, all our problems arise from what we think at the deepest level of what we think of ourselves to be. As long as we think of ourselves as persons relating to other persons, we will have personal goals and projects. We'll have expectations and frustrations and uh, unhappinesses uh, with other persons. But when I realize myself as this one consciousness, then I put a distance between myself and these 
uh, thoughts and feelings and emotions in the mind. That's first at the personal level. And with everybody else, I feel a sense of oneness. They are me. I am them. So who can be my enemy? Who can be my special friend? They are all one with me. Then when, when you feel like that, when you begin to see that, first you have to attend to it. As he, as he says, oh student, avagacha, janatha. Janatha means realize it. When you realize it, the shift happens. A great peace comes upon you. A great relaxation. That it's all right. Let the body go in its own way. The world will also unfold in its own way. In this body and mind, I can only serve humanity, the society. And I have really nothing to gain from the world, nor from any other person. I am ever fulfilled. Then you will have such a sense of peace and security. You will be fulfilled yourself. And you will also be a blessing to others around you. At a deep level, it solves your problems. Now, is this enough? No, there are different ways of manifesting this. For example, karma yoga, the attitude of selfless service. So my attitude towards the world, the question was other people and situations. How do I look upon situations? How do I look upon other people? They are the same divinity to be served. To Let me help others to the best extent that I can. Vivekananda put it very powerfully. What do you do with this knowledge? What do you do? He says, let vision seize. All these visions you are seeing of a universe, of a personality, let it seize if you can. Or if you cannot, if you cannot, then dream but better dreams, which are eternal, love and service free. He says, if you have to dream, if you still have to continue in this dream of a personality and this world, uh, knowing this Vedantic truth, this is the furthest we can go at, at present. This is, how do you live? Dream but better dreams, which is the best possible dream you can do. Remember, it's still within Maya, still a dream. But which is the best possible dream we can dream, which is eternal love and service-free. Unconditional love and service-free. I don't want anything from, from anybody, but I will give my uh, the last drop of my blood for the welfare of all beings. I have nothing to seek from anybody. One, one little life, let it go. What is it to me? I have eternal life. I am this immortal uh, existence consciousness place. Just by the way, I was just reading about maybe the greatest philosopher of our, of our times who passed this year or last year, Derek Parfit, P-A-R-F-I-T. So he was in, I think, Oxford probably. Brilliant man. Just now recently a book has been published about him. So I was just reading um, about his life. His conclusion was this. Why he became so famous? His conclusion was this that um, really the purpose of life is to sacrifice ourselves for the humanity. Not to gather and hold things back for ourselves, to keep you know, supplying this one with um, fame and power and uh, pleasure and uh, um, you know everything for this. The whole universe ex is exists for, for me to extract and you know, worship this entity. That is a losing proposition. This entity is a false entity. It's going to fall apart very soon. And if you have spent your life taking care of this body, it's a useless thing. You have taken care of the instrument, but you did not do anything with this instrument. Doing with this instrument means the best thing you can do, according to Derek Parfit and Vivekananda, is to serve. Is to do just endlessly amounts of good for whatever, wherever you can. Will you transform the world? Will it become a heaven? No. Or the Americans would say, nope. But Vivekananda said, by trying to straighten out the world, we become straightened out ourselves. He gives the example of the curly tail of the dog. The more you try to straighten it out, it again becomes curly. But he says, the, then is this exercise fruitless? Why is this the best philosophy of life? To live by doing good to others. It is because by doing this, you become straightened out yourself. You get free of samsara, you get liber liberated, you realize your inherent divinity. The best manifestation of the divinity. Vivekananda said religion is the manifestation of the divinity within us. The best manifestation is to love and do good without condition, limitlessly. I want nothing, but I will give endlessly. That's Derek Parfit, and that's Vivekananda. There's a very unique, very funny story about Derek Parfit. His book, uh, Reasons and Persons. So there's a story is that uh, there's a lot of similarity to Buddhism and what Parfit was saying. 
he also does not believe in a solid person if it, it deconstructs the personality there's no such thing as a person we're trying to do good to ourselves only but there's no such thing as a person rather there is this whole mass of life around us and to serve this as as best as you can is the best best goal but it sounds like buddhism that uh, the emptiness of the person and compassion karuna for all all beings so the funny story is it seems uh, one of perfect's colleagues introduced a buddhist um, introduced his book to a buddhist uh, abbot in a monastery in nepal and later when he visited that that monastery he found that the monks were chanting from his book from the derek parfait's book <laughs> that converted that part of it into a chant anyway that's the story avi is light yes the word avi light parul is asking bhargava is saying how to identify which heart they mean different text physical heart is the cave of the mind yeah so first physical heart to fix your mind in a particular place locate it so that you can concentrate but the real meaning of that shankara acharya says buddhi guha means um hridaya guha um the guha of the heart or the mind shankara acharya points it out it's hridaya guha is buddhi guha the guha the cave of the mind the cave of the intellect hub of the wheel yes that's what i was searching for this word not nave hub of the wheel rick has pointed it out Srinivas Raju says, every experience in my awareness, correct to say awareness here refers to the reflected consciousness, the deeper level ultimately relates to pure consciousness, correct. So technically, in every vritti in the mind, consciousness is reflected or illumines that vritti. That is called chidabhasa. But remember, don't make too much of a difference between chidabhasa and chaitanya, pure consciousness, because it is the same consciousness which appears as chidabhasa, reflected consciousness. Yes, Shonali has uh, reminded us happy thanksgiving to everybody especially here in the united states it's a big big holiday and right here in manhattan we are right on the route for the macy's parade it's been crazy this whole day and tomorrow is going to be crazier still huge numbers of people all around all waiting to see the floats tomorrow the macy's parade let me end with a chant Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu